Amen. Well, so our passage, or our, our theme today is joy, right up there, joy. Um, the, the preaching through Advent is always a bit of a challenge for me. I prefer to just take a passage and, and unpack the passage and apply the passage. But you come to words like hope, and the Bible says so much about it. And you come to words like joy, and the, the Bible says so much about it that I feel like all I can do is take us to a buffet of joy. And you don't, if you, you know, if you eat everything on the buffet, it's never a good experience. So we have to like just pick a few things off the buffet of biblical joy and what the scriptures say. Um, and so if you'll allow me, I'd like to just uh, introduce you to kind of a buffet of, of great joy. And this is going to be kind of the thematic verse for the whole message today on joy. Uh, you know the story of this, very familiar. There's a bunch of guys doing their job outside, the shepherds. And the birth of Jesus, he comes and he's born on the earth, the Son of God, the, the eternal God, part of the Godhead, came and is born in a human form. And that event literally drug an angel out of eternity into our realm. And he was still manifesting the glory of God that he had in eternity. And he shows up in front of the birds and they're terrified. And he says, no, 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 don't be afraid. And then he says, I will bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. They thought, well, that's kind of cool. And then a whole company of angels join in, and, you know, we sing the song. I don't know if the angels sang it or they just proclaimed it, but glory to God in the highest. I mean, just an amazing event. They leave, and the shepherds are like, wow. Now what? And someone said, hey, why don't we go check it out? And so they went to Bethlehem. Uh, Jesus was already born. Mary and Joseph were there. And they told them the story of what had happened. Apparently, the, the, Jesus didn't have that same aura of glory that they saw in the angel. They came to this manger, and it's just this poor family that have given birth to this child. Because when they left, they left with great joy. But the scriptures don't say that they said what they saw was amazing. But they told the story of what they had heard about him whom they saw. It was this incredible experience with the angels that, that, they're, that they're telling everyone about now. And what they're telling is that this little kid, this infant, in a manger, with a poor mom and dad, with nothing from our perception really that dramatic, except what we were told. And that he would bring great joy. It's the good news. Now, I know we often connect the good news with the death and resurrection of Jesus, and appropriately so. But in this context, it's just the incarnation and all that goes into that. In fact, you'll see as we walk through that there is this incredible theme of joy at Jesus coming, both in the incarnation, in, in just his normal life, 
in his death, and eventually in his second coming. You see this incredible joy. So, if you will, let's look with me at the buffet. And uh, to, to do the buffet, I think first I'd like to take you to uh, just a short little video from last Sunday. Last Sunday was a slightly different service, so I thought maybe we would watch it. So um, I've heard more comments after that service about how much fun it was, how cool it was, this incredible sense of joy. And yet, if I kind of evaluate the service from the outside, it was our lowest attended service since we've been Kansas Community Church. Uh, the message was short. Uh, worship was just two people up here. We even closed the 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 curtains back there and acoustic guitar and we sang just two songs and then and then we went out and and like put eggs in bags and pickles in bags and cookies in bags so that it made it easy for for the people who were serving our guests and yet in the midst of this this kind of uh, uh, if you saw in that they all had their coats on the furnace had like gone out the second time the day before and so it was a little chilly in here so what was the joy? What was the joy? For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit, because anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and receives human approval. So what way are they serving? If you look at Romans 14, you'll see that Paul is actually arguing for a godly attitude as we serve one another. He's, he's telling them not to be uh, judgmental, says don't pass judgment, uh, remove stumbling blocks from one another, uh, work for peace and mutual edification. In other words, serve with the right attitude, and when you serve with the right attitude, there is this natural result of joy. What we experienced last week. It wasn't the warmth of the building. It wasn't having no place to sit. It wasn't my amazing message or the incredible worship. It was just the fact that we were serving with the right attitude, other image bearers of Jesus Christ. And it brought joy. It was fun actually watching. Uh, we did a bunch of things. We also uh, prayed for uh, every bed that was here. And I, I love this picture because it's a father who's praying for a guest he hasn't yet met, inviting him into our house, and at the same time discipling his son on praying for a guest who will be coming in as in need. What, what a wonderful, uh, but not just fathers, we had grandmothers discipling their grandchildren in praying around beds. Um, here we had adults putting things in bags and kids. Michelle told you about writing out cards. Um, notice the cards and notice the kids. Every one of them's got a smile on their face. I mean, they didn't get to do their normal slide down the slide and do all the cool, fun stuff with their switch. But they had amazing joy. Because there's something about 
serving with the right attitude that, quite frankly, folks, I think is, is just incredibly transformational. I'll bring you good news that will cause great joy to all the people. Okay, I, I'd like to show you a kind of a second manifestation of joy because, you know, every, every culture does, um, they experience joy differently. Um, I, someone was asking me yesterday, I was sitting at a breakfast and we, we talked for about three hours. It was a, just a wonderful sharing. I don't know that we accomplished anything except just enjoying one another. But he asked me about my, my doctoral dissertation. And in it, I, I developed a tool for uh, recommending spiritual disciplines, means of grace for the situation that you find yourself in. Uh, there are some very targeted spiritual disciplines to get at whatever you're dealing with, struggling with, working through. Uh, you find it in the Old Testament. You find it in the New Testament. Just a quick example. They didn't fast all the time, but the king would call a fast because Israel had a specific need. It was a targeted spiritual discipline for a specific purpose. And we were talking about some of them, and one of the disciplines we did was celebration, and I made the comment that for some, celebration might be going down to a Christian mosh pit and someone else having a bubble bath. Radical different expressions, same discipline. This act of celebrating, this positioning yourself before God in a way that allows Him to begin His transformational work in your life relative to whatever it is you're trying to get at. Okay, so uh, this next one is going to be from, uh, not here, but it's going to be from Mozambique. Uh, I had the privilege for about three, four years supervising missionaries in Southern Africa. Mozambique is one of the poorest countries in the world. It ranks 181 out of 187 on UNICEF's ranking. It means there's only five countries that are poorer a third of the people who live in Mozambique suffer under malnutrition. 43% of children, five and under, suffer under malnutrition. Half the population has no access to clean water. 60% of the population is in ex what they call extreme poverty, and they define extreme poverty as trying to live on $1.90 a day. Unbelievable poverty. And while I was there, um, while I was working with I was North American based, but I would go and come back and go and come back and go and come back. I was trying to, I was being the Aaron and her for the missionaries who are out there holding their arms up. And I'm just trying to comfort them and encourage them and supervise them and bless them. Um, but in 2019, uh, Ida came through. It was one of the five worst hurricanes that ever hit the African continent. And six weeks later, it hit Beira, which is about the, it's the east coast, about the center north of the country. And then six weeks later, Kenneth, which is one of also the five worst hurricanes that ever hit Africa, came through and literally demolished crops, wiped out homes, uh, poisoned all the water. Cholera was, was rampant. Um, and we had a lot of churches up in that northern section. And unfortunately, we were able to do uh, relief work near Beira because in Beira, the ruling party were kind of in control. And while in Mozambique, the, the Civil War ended in uh, 1992, I think, um, even in 2019, there were still warring factions that, that held sections of the country. And one of the sections held by one of the warring factions was up in the north where Kenneth came through. And so the government didn't allow any relief agents to come. Just can't go. Uh, we ended up 
uh, buying a bunch of beans and oil and, and maize and, and chlorine and some bottled water. And, and our Malawian missionary in Mozambique, who was African, um, borrowed a truck and they loaded the truck up and we made sure we gave them enough money to literally pay bribes of each of the, the warring factions to be able to get back to the churches to drop off the beans and the oil to cook and the maize and then turn around and come back and four or five days later fill up again to be able to, just so people don't starve. So are you hearing the context? No worldly reason to have joy. And yet I had the privilege of going to service after service after service after service in rural villages. And here's an example of one. Turn the volume up. of the presence of Jesus in a group of people. Jesus brings joy. There's no other description. There's no other reason to believe it. There's no other understanding. Now, I have to give a caution that, that emotion, joy is not just an emotion. And this particular verse is out of a parable that Jesus tells where he says someone's out sowing the word and they sow it on, some, on a trail, on a path, and the birds come and eat it up, and that doesn't do anything. And at the very end, he sows it on really good soil, and that produces, like, lots of fruit. But the two in between, the one in the thorns, that's the one that the plant seems to grow and does well, but the cares of this world, all the stuff around us tend to drive our agenda rather than the kingdom of God, and those thorns just choke out the, the fruit. But the ones in the rocky soil, they actually receive the word and they sprout up quickly. But because they had no root in themselves, because there was no root in this, when the sun came out and life circumstances came, it scorched that seed and, and it didn't make it. In other words, it's not just emotion. But folks, just because it's not just emotion, neither is it devoid of emotion. Do you have any football fans here? Three. You know, I, I, I got to tell you, I, I'm not used to congregations that don't react. Okay, any football fans here? Okay, 12. We're getting better. Um, can you imagine a coach telling the team, don't get excited when you play? I mean, they try to talk it up. Now, on the flip side... Can you imagine a coach saying, hey, don't worry about the fundamentals. Just get excited. Joy is a component, and it's a component that the Lord brings to us, and we're going to look at several aspects in the buffet of joy. Um, so it's, 
It's not just an emotion. But, but I don't know about you folks, but man, I could use some more joy in my life. I could use some more joy. Okay. So, on our buffet, uh, the second thing is not just service as bedfellows in the kingdom of God, but that Jesus' presence brings great joy. There's a Eastern Orthodox um, saying, greeting of believers that I really like. Uh, a particular sect in the Eastern Orthodox Church will greet one another by saying, I bow to the God in you. It's this recognition that you are an image bearer just by being human. You are an image bearer. You are made in the image of Christ. Now, the presence of Christ comes when we, when we believe, when we receive. And so their greeting was among believers. But there is this, is, there is this reality that, that Jesus' presence brings joy. Here's a case where um, Elizabeth is with John the Baptist in a room, and Mary is recently conceived, and she goes to hang out with Elizabeth, and the baby in Mary's womb shows up, and the baby in Elizabeth's womb recognizes the presence of the Lord and leaps for joy in her womb. You know, the presence of Jesus just does this, folks. It's how it works. Um, on this one, and I'm going to read this passage with you. I've told you this. Jesus is at the end of his vine and the branches. Remember this story in John? There's the vine and there's the branches. We're the branches. He's the vine. You've got to stay connected to the vine and how important it is. And he says, I've told you this. Why did I tell you this? So that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Let me read this if I can and uh, allow me a little leeway, please. Um, what does it mean to remain in Jesus? And how do you unpack that? And while it is more than spending time with Jesus, is it fair to say that remaining in him at least includes spending time with him? Is that fair? No? Okay, thank you. So, you know, maybe it's me. Um, I, uh, when I led uh, Pastors of Excellence in Ashland, we brought pastors in anywhere from 30 to 100 for retreats. And the whole purpose of the retreats were forget about the ministry. This is about you and Jesus because what your church needs is you fully alive in Jesus. That's what's so critical in, in ministry. And, and so many people become human doings rather than human beings. They, they forget the reason why they're doing what they're doing. They get you know, performance addiction kicks in and, and people pleasing kicks in and all that kind of stuff. And so we bring them and say, this is just for you. And one of our main presenters, good friend of mine, uh, Kevin, African-American pastor, and every time he would teach, he would always say, can I get an amen? Can I get an amen? And so, you know, people would, amen. And so he invited me to come preach at his church in Columbus, and I went and preached at his church. I was about five minutes in, and I thought, well, you know, when, when in Rome, do as the Romans. And so I said, can I get an amen? Kevin said, got to earn them, brother. <laughs> I guess I got to earn them here, too. Okay. <laughs> There's always one in a crowd, I'll tell you. Always one. Uh, Jesus says. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to replace the word remain with spend time with. And 
trust me, I believe it's more than that, but it's at least that. That's part of our response. I'm the true vine and the Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. By the way, all the branches get cut. Some is productive cutting and others is not. They all get cut. You are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Spend time in me as I also spend time in you. No branch can bear fruit of itself. It must spend time in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you spend time in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you spend time in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit because apart from me, you can do nothing. And if you do not spend time in me, you're like a branch that's thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. If you spend time in me and my word spends time in you. I'm going to say that again. If you spend time in me and my word spends time in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Jesus is so smart. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now, spend time in my love. Spend time in me. Spend time in my word. Spend time in my love. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now spend time in my love. If you keep my commands, you will spend time in my love, just as I've kept my Father's commands, and spend time in His love. I have told you this, and here it is. Why am I telling you this? Why am I telling you? Spend time with me. Remain with me. Spend time in my word. Remain with me in my word. Spend time in my love. Remain in my love. Why am I telling you this? Well, Jesus tells us. It makes sense to look at why Jesus does what he does. He says, so that my joy can be in you. I asked earlier, anyone here want a little more joy in life? Anyone else here feel the need? I do. I'm, I'll confess it. There are, there are, you know, my, my uh, three hours of breakfast yesterday with a friend with no agenda except just to kind of hang out was, and we talked about Jesus, talked about ministry, talked about kids, talked about our mistakes and errors in life, and, you know, talked about our foibles and our victories and just, you know, stuff. But it was, it was the most joyful part of the whole day. I have to be honest, the rest of the day was actually pretty crummy. I didn't feel productive. I didn't, I didn't feel like doing anything. I said to myself 12 times, I should get up and work out. And I said it again, I should get up and work out. And I said I should get up and work out. And 7 o'clock at night, I'm watching a movie. Yeah. I've told you this. Spend time in me. Spend time in my words. Spend time in my love. Because I want your joy to be complete. I want my joy to be in you. And when my joy is in you, your joy is complete. Um, this is at his resurrection, so we had this incredible joy at his, at his birth. We have this joy in his life he's talking about while he's teaching, and now this is the resurrected Jesus. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they still, do, still did not believe it because of joy and amazement, he asked them, do you have anything to eat? Um, 
I love this picture. It's, it's um, again, forgive me for my football analogy, um, but it, thank you. It's almost like uh, you're watching this game and this, this receiver dives out, one-handed catch, brings it in, goes across the goal line, and you go, I don't believe it. I don't, I don't, did you see that? Did you, I don't believe it. I mean, that's the, that's the context of them not believing. They're actually believing, and they, they can't believe that they're believing it because he rose again from the dead. And there's this amazing joy that comes. The presence of Jesus leads to great joy. It just does. It does. Okay, number three. The first one is that service and joy are bedfellows. Second one is presence brings joy. The third is the Holy Spirit brings joy. Um, one of the things I love about my African brethren is they, they have a practical theology of the Holy Spirit. Uh, so often in North America, we have kind of this, this trinity of Father, Son, and Holy Bible. And we forget about the Holy Spirit. It is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The Word of God is eternal, and it is important, but it is what points to Jesus as the living Word of God. And so the Holy Spirit brings joy. At that time, Jesus, full of joy through the Holy Spirit. And here again, let me give you the context if I can. So Jesus sends 72 out to, to uh, share the good news. Well, actually, you know, go out, share the good news, and do the stuff. You know, I want you to heal. I want you to cast out demons. I want you to, you know, do the stuff. And so the 72 go out and they, they, they preach the gospel, they share the gospel, they share the good news, they share the kingdom of God has arrived, uh, there's this really cool guy, Jesus, and they do the stuff. And when they come back, they're like, like overwhelmed. This has been awesome. I mean, even the, the evil spirits obey us in your name. They're subject to us in your name. And Jesus responds by saying, yeah, that's kind of cool, wasn't it? Um, I saw it. Now, there's debate on whether I saw Satan fall from heaven, whether that's a reference to pre-incarnation, or whether he's actually seeing in the spirit world that, yeah, as you were doing this, the kingdom of darkness is coming down. It, it's actually working. It was cool, wasn't it? However, rather than joying in that, why don't you joy that your name is written in heaven? Because having a relationship with my Father is more important than all that stuff. It's not that the stuff isn't cool. I love the stuff we did for what? I love it. But it's the presence of Jesus. It's under the anointing of the Holy Spirit that it makes a difference. It's not just goodwill, but it's, it's done in the name of Jesus so that people's names may be written in heaven. Jesus, full of joy through the Holy Spirit, I kind of see, I don't know, maybe I'm, uh, overly emphasized the fact that Jesus was fully man. You know, he was, don't you? I mean, sometimes we emphasize he's fully God, but he was fully human. All the, the experience of humanity, except for sin. The only experience he didn't. But, but all the other, I, I think I really picture them coming back and, and Jesus is so full of joy of the Holy Spirit because what he told them to do, they went and did, they came back, and it worked. I can tell you as a pastor, my greatest joy 
is watching someone walk into their gifting and serve in the name of Jesus in their gifting, and particularly if they do it outside of our gathering. I mean, I love that we do it in our gathering. I love that we have people who, who can teach and people who can, can sing and people who can serve and people who can care for our kids and all that stuff here. But, but it, it is unbelievable joy when you find a believer who actually hears their gift, senses their gift, walks out, and uses their gift. And my experience is it tends to bring both them great joy and those who've encouraged them to do it great joy in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit just shows up at those times. My takeaway, folks, it doesn't take much Holy Spirit to sit here. Do you know that passage in, in uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 13, 14, when he's talking about spiritual gifts? And at the end of 12, he says, earnestly covet the spiritual gifts. Remember that passage? You know, covet them. It, it's your want them, desire them, seek them. And then he says, but I'll show you a more excellent way. And then it's 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter. And I've heard so many people, what I think, distort that passage. Love is not a more excellent way than gifts. No, no, no. Love is a more excellent way to operate in the gifts of the Spirit than coveting the gifts of the Spirit. Because, folks, when you go out and you start loving people, you're going to get into contexts and situations where you're not enough. You can't do it. You're, you're, out, you're out in the deep water and you can't swim. And you say, Lord, I need you. And the Holy Spirit shows up. I'm convinced if, if you want the joy that comes in the Holy Spirit, go out and start loving people. That's, that's exactly why this last week, uh, you know, we had 20, 30 volunteers who came and helped. And, and, and the Watts ministry, they call it a low bar ministry. What that means is they receive those who are rejected from other Christian ministries. And I'm not judging other Christian ministries. I'm not. They're just saying, we work with whoever comes. We have some really simple rules. Can't bring any guns or drugs in here. Um, really simple rules. When you're here, you have to behave. But that's about it. Come and, and be loved and be cared for. And our volunteers are, are serving these folks. And every night, at the, the volunteers are like, that was so cool. Why? Because I, I think a more excellent way to, to get a, a filling of God's Holy Spirit and the joy that comes along with it is to choose to love. Choose to step out. However God has wired you, made you, love people. Um, this shows up in a lot of verses. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Um, and the disciples were filled with joy and the Holy Spirit. This is another one of those wonderful stories that just needs a little bit of context. Um, Paul is in the city in Antioch, and he's preaching, and he gets done preaching, and the people really like it. And so they say, hey, would you, would you teach in the synagogue next week? And so he comes back the next week, and the synagogue is packed, and it's packed with Jews, it's packed with God-fearing uh, Gentiles, and it's even packed with some community Gentiles that hadn't been to synagogue probably ever. And there's so many people there to hear Paul preach that, that um, um, well, the Jews get jealous. How come you're not that 
Does anyone know the story of um, Susanna Wesley? She used to do family devotions. Uh, Susanna Wesley, the mother of John Wesley, one of the great revivalists of, of all time. And um, so she would do family devotions. Her husband was a traveling evangelist, and he was out traveling, evangelizing, preaching, ministering. And so she would do family devotions. And her family devotions were so good that um, other people started coming to her family devotions. And they were so effective that they had over 100 people coming to her family devotions. And more people were coming to Susanna Wesley's uh, family devotions than came to church on Sunday morning. And so the preacher got jealous. This is a true story. And so the preacher fired off a letter to Susanna Wesley's husband saying, what's this? And, and he's like, I, I can't deal with this. I'm, you know, I'm, out, I'm out doing the Lord's work. And so he sends this letter back to her telling her to cease and desist. Don't do this. And so she responds with a letter telling her husband that she felt called of God to do this. It's why she was doing it. But if he will put in clear writing why he does not want her to do it, and when he wants her to stop, she will stop because she wants to have something to show her Lord when he asks her why she stopped. He wrote a letter back saying, please continue. That's kind of the context here. These, these, Paul is doing this amazing thing. They like the guest preacher better than the normal preacher. And, and so they stir up the people and, and they persecute them. Um, eventually, Paul and Barnabas get expelled. They're persecuted. They get expelled. They have to go to Iconium. And then comes this verse. And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. I mean, isn't there a little dissonance there? They're doing this amazing work. The people around them get jealous, persecute them, make them leave, and the disciples are thrilled. So when I was uh, at Penn State, I met the Lord at Penn State. I had a pretty radical transformation. I had a uh, garbage life, and, and God saved me out of some real garbage. And, you know, who much is forgiven, loves much. And so I just, I was, I, I had a fervor for God. And we were doing this outdoor worship concert on the main, at, at Penn State main campus. Um, after the, the game, Penn State football. And so the, there was the football, and then like half an hour after it was all over, we were going to do this, this outdoor worship concert. And so we decided to go up and invite all of the, the tailgaters, because if you've ever been to one of these games, Half the people never go into the stadium. I mean, they drive up, they pull out their beer, they pull out their brats, they pull out their, their grills, they, you know, they stand around, and maybe they have a game going over here. They're not even watching the game on TV much. They're just talking and joking around. And so we thought, well, we'll go up and invite them. So we're walking through the tailgating area, say, hey, you know, my name's Matt, just letting you know when the, the game's over and tailgate's done, we're doing this concert out on Maine. It's kind of a worship concert. Love to have you come. And we go on to the next. And one of the, the folks we walked up to, I said, hi, my name's Matt. And they're all kind of looking at me, you know. And uh, we're doing this concert, this worship concert down on Maine, and we'd love to invite you. And this really big guy walked over, get your effing religion out of my effing face. Well, I've never been one to walk away from conflict. And so I just stopped and I looked at him and I said, well, my invitation just really 
tweaked something inside of you, didn't it? You do realize that whenever you have a, a level three event and you get a level nine response, it's not the level three event that's really the issue. There's some other issue that's stirring this level nine. And when I, when I pointed out that there was some dissonance, you know, he, he really got upset. Um, it was clear that that did not calm down the situation at all. You know, I've always said if, if I thought something was going to happen, I'm, you know, what would you do? You know, you're, you're doing something for the gospel and you, you get confronted. What are you going to do? And I know what I'll do now because I've done it twice in my life, once in New Orleans and once there. I took my glasses off because I'm getting clocked. I don't want my glasses broken. And he just started coming at me, and one of his buddies kind of stepped in between and kind of stopped him and pushed him back. And another guy came over and said, hey, hey, thanks for the invite. You know, my, my buddy's he's drank too much. He's out of control. It might be good if you move on. And like, okay, thanks. You know, sorry to disturb you. And, and we went on. So here's the kicker. I was so pumped. I mean, it was fun. And while you could explain that maybe there was a rush of adrenaline that could be connected to the joy, um, I think there was a Holy Spirit presence. I think that when you get out of your comfort zone, whatever you do, do it out of love and in the name of Jesus. And the Holy Spirit just has this amazing way of showing up. And along with him comes this wonderful thing called joy. In Christ, this is like my fourth point, and we'll be ending here soon. In Christ, joy, hardship, and generosity are often bedfellows. In all our troubles, Paul writes, my joy knows no bounds. Um, yeah, let me, let me just read this for you really quick. I'm going to bring my Bible up because I can turn it. Why is it I can turn in my Bible faster than I can find it on my phone? Well, I'm not alone. Okay. Second uh, Corinthians 7, and I'm going to read after it because Paul makes this statement, and then he talks about the context for him. For when we came to Macedonia, this is verse 5, we had no rest, but we were harassed at every turn, conflicts on the outside, fears within. By the way, I, I think that, that faith, is nothing more than a fearful coward who said his prayers. Just kind of step in. Conflicts on the outside, fears within. But God, who comforts the downcast, comforted us. He says, by the coming of Titus, and tells a little bit about that. And then in verse 8, Even if I caused you sorrow by my letter, I do not regret it. See, Paul had written a letter to them, and they got ticked off at the letter but the letter was actually good for them in the end. It worked out well. Uh, the point is, Paul is having significant struggles, and somehow this struggle, when he offered it to Jesus, when he stepped into the things of Jesus, in the midst of the struggle, a bedfellow was both, both joy and generosity. Second Corinthians 8, 1 and 2. We want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. In the midst of their very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. By the way, that picture is another one of our churches in Mozambique where I showed up and they offered this huge offering of 
a 50 kg of maize and oil and, and um, bananas and beans. And each time, you know, I, I would receive it. Actually, Bassani was pretty smart. He had a, a Bible school going on the next week, and all the pastors from the surrounding area were going to either take the bus or ride their bike into the main town, and they were going to do theological training for the week, but they, had, they didn't have enough money to feed them. And so they, you leveraged me going around. You have to bring the offering when, when this guy from North America comes, and then we just loaded up his truck, and then he was able to feed everyone in the, in the school, which was really kind of cool, until they walked up with three chickens they were holding upside down, and they were still alive. I've never held a chicken. I went, put it in the truck. These people, a dollar ninety a day. And their joy in the Holy Spirit welled up in unbelievable generosity. Unbelievable generosity. It's what, it's what, what the Holy Spirit does. You became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you welcomed the message in the midst of severe suffering with joy given by the Holy Spirit. And then last, and I'll end with this, uh, joy for the blessed outcome. Consider it all pure joy, my brethren, when you face various trials. You can look that verse up later. 1 Peter 1, 6 and 9, In all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have to suffer grief in all kinds of trials and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy for you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. And then Jesus, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. So we're going to end with communion. Um, a little word. I, I'm of the persuasion that, that the early church did communion very different than we did. Than we do. Uh, first of all, you don't have any taste of communion without a meal. Um, and often foot washing along with it. Um, so this, this um, but when they, when, they would, when they would gather together, um, there, was, there was joy in the communion. We've, we've kind of turned communion into this somber moment, you know, consider yourself and, and examine your heart and don't drink in an unworthy fashion. Just be reminded, church, that Paul's statement there was trying to be a correction to them going overboard with fun and joy in their time of communion. They were now coming to this communion meal, and some of them were getting drunk before they came. Some of them were bringing special food and not sharing with others. They, they had gotten out of control. But, but his, his, his statement was not to say, don't be joyful. But rather, the early church, when they first got saved, all these people came into the faith. They, they worshiped together at the temple, and the temple was nice. It's what Jews did at that time, the religious. They went to the temple, and they would do these sacrifices, and they'd do these prayers, and they would, they'd do this blessing. But that wasn't enough, and so they gathered together. And if my worship team can come on up, great. Um, they they, they uh, gathered together afterwards at someone's home, and they broke bread. They, they took communion, and they had a meal, and they worshiped God, and they heard teaching. And the Scripture says... With great joy. There wasn't this, 
oh, Lord, woe is me. No, it's like, whoa, Lord, you have done so much. Thank you. In fact, you know the word Eucharist means thanksgiving. Well, I know we've lost that meaning, uh, but, but it's a biblical word for communion. There's, there's several words for communion, Lord's Supper, communion, Eucharist. Um, but it's, it's this incredible joy. And so I'm going to give you just uh, 30 seconds because I know North American Christians really like to examine their heart before they take communion. That's what we're used to doing. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that. But after examining your heart, um, then I'm going to invite you to come forward. But in coming forward, our worship team is going to play Joy to the World. And I invite you, while you're coming forward, to rejoice at what he has done. Joy to the world. Sing with our worship team. You probably know the chorus without having to see the words. Those words will show up there. Um, but, but come in a celebration of joy. Because communion is one of the most joyful things we have. What he did for us. He who knew no sin became sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. And we remember that in the partaking of the communion. So in the coming of the elements, um, be joyful with us as you do that. Take a moment of silence. Father, we do want to pause, and, and if there's something that we need to get right with you, we want to do it. We don't want any hindrance to the flow of your spirit in our own lives. We simply want to plead the blood of Jesus. Lord, I can't. You can. I'll let you. I receive you again fresh today as fresh manna. But Lord, we want to celebrate as a church what you've done. And we want to do it with joy in this season. Joy to the world. The Lord has come.